Welcome to the Fortune Management Practice Mastery Podcast. Each episode, we bring you powerful conversations with thought leaders in the dental, veterinary, optometry, and medical industries. At Fortune Management, we coach doctors and teams to have an extraordinary practice and an extraordinary life. I'm Kim McGuire, host of the Practice Mastery Podcast. Today, my guest is Casey Gosell, an attorney with Mandelbaum Salzburg, who works with several Fortune clients. This year, Fortune Management has chosen The One Thing Book by Gary Keller to be the theme of the 2020 annual planning events that we host across the country. I knew this book had impacted Casey's life in profound ways, so I invited her to share with us the impact that this book had on her. With insights from personal to professional, learn how the concepts of the one thing can help you be more productive and fulfilled. And now, enjoy my conversation with Casey. Welcome, Casey, to the show. Thank you, Sammy. It's so awesome to have you, and we're really excited because our 2020 Fortune Management Annual Planning theme is around a book called The One Thing. We always pick a book that is going to be impactful for our doctors and teams, usually around leadership or going to the next level. And we all just fell in love with the one thing concept. And you are an attorney that we work with very often, and you're very passionate about the one thing. So I'm excited to have you kind of share with us about the impact that it's had on your life. Yeah, absolutely. I was so excited to see on your website that you had chosen that. And uh, as you know, I have uh, used the one thing to really better both my personal life and my professional life over the last three years. So I am a huge fan. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited to chat with you. Why don't you tell our listeners, Casey, a little bit about what would you say the main concept of the one thing is? Sure. So when I first discovered the one thing, I expected that it was a question, right? And I I started reading the book uh, that first night that I found it, looking for an answer. What, like, what is the one thing? Um, (laughs) But what I quickly realized is that the one thing really isn't a question. The one thing is the answer. So the concept behind the one thing is that you should focus on one thing at a time. And by doing that and blocking out the other distractions in your life, you can be more productive. So one thing is more of an answer and less of a question. I love that. I'm so glad you said that because I was thinking the same thing when I was reading it. I'm like, okay, I got to get to this question, you know? Yeah, well, where's the answer? Can I just skip ahead? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And of course, it is a question. However, looking at all these different aspects of your life, it's really the answer and only you can come up with it. And and, it would be good to talk a little bit about the gentleman who wrote the book, Gary Keller, who is from Keller Williams Realty, which is now, I think, the biggest real estate company in the world. He really did some drastic things in his life to write this book and to really prove the concept. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So it's actually one of my favorite parts of the book, and it's pretty early on in the book where they talk about um, this lie about everything mattering equally. And in order to explain that lie, they tell this story about how when Gary Keller was first starting out and he was growing the business, he had this idea that he was going to turn Keller Williams into a household name. And I think he did what most entrepreneurs do, and they just dive in and try and do everything. And so he was working day in and day out and sort of running himself into the ground. And the company was actually doing quite well. They were profitable. They were growing. 
things were looking good from a balance sheet perspective, but the reality is he wasn't obtaining his ultimate goal, which was to make Keller Williams a household name. And so he decided to actually gather a group of his top executives in a room and ask them to come up with a list of 100 things that he could do to turn Keller Williams into a household name. So they they made that list of 100, and then the next day they gathered again, and they narrowed it down to 10, and the next day they narrowed it down to one thing. And what they decided was that the one thing that Gary Keller could do to make Keller Williams a household name was to write a book. And when I read this, I was like, wow, like, it kind of blew my mind, right? I mean, this is a guy who spent his entire career being an entrepreneur and an expert in real estate. And what he did was he actually fired himself as the CEO and wrote a book. And I'm like, that's so crazy, right? Yeah. But it works. So he actually, he wrote The Millionaire Real Estate Agent, and he followed it up with The Millionaire Real Estate Investor. And those books together sold millions of copies, became national bestsellers. And you know what? Keller Williams is most definitely a household name. So it totally worked. And it just taught me such a valuable lesson is that you don't need to just be pounding the pavement day in and day out trying to accomplish your goals. What you really need to do is take the time to identify the one thing that's going to bring you there. And I just thought his story was really inspirational. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're going to get into later on in the conversation a little more about how doctors and team members can kind of look at the one thing. However, before we do that, you just mentioned the lies and um, he outlines these lies in the book or, or really what I might call myths that people believe in our society or in our culture and kind of smashes those myths. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the lies that were that really ring true to you? Okay, so we just talked about everything mattering equally and use that as an example. And I think that's a really good one. But if I had to pick one, since that is the theme of this discussion, um, my favorite lie is multitasking. And anytime I talk about this to people or I say, oh, multitasking is a lie, everyone's got an excuse about how I'm wrong and they're going to prove me wrong. And it's really, really funny. And I totally get it. I really, really do. Because up until I read this book and really started living this book, you know, I thought I was a great multitasker. In fact, I thought that most of my success was due to the fact that I was a professional juggler and I did such a good job at it. And the truth of the matter is multitasking really is a lie. And so I love to talk about the fact that while it is possible to do more than one thing at the same time, it's actually impossible to focus on more than one thing at the same time. So um, using just like a super basic example, if you think about it, like you're getting ready to leave work and you grab your purse and you grab your keys and you grab your cell phone and you you phone home to talk to your spouse about what you're going to have for dinner as you're walking out to your car in the parking lot. You know, you're not thinking about the fact that, you know, you've got your purse in your hand. You're not thinking about the fact that you're walking. You're not thinking about where your car is located. But when you stop and you get to your car and you're like, oh, shoot, what did I do with my keys? And now you're going through your bag looking for your keys next thing you hear is, are you even listening to me from your spouse? Because the truth is you weren't listening. You had shifted your focus from the conversation to what was in your purse. And so the point is, of course, you can do multiple things at the same time. You just can't focus on multiple things at the same time. So what we actually are doing when we say we're multitasking is we're switching back and forth rapidly between tasks. And there's a time cost involved with that task switching. And so I think the biggest 
I guess, addition to my life in reading this book has been eliminating multitasking or to the extent that I can. I have a three-year-old, so of course I still do multitask at some point. But I try really hard not to. And by doing that, I've minimized the amount of time that I spend in a day task switching. And that has made me more productive. Yeah, I, I think. And, and what's the statistic that you lose 40 percent of your productivity? 40 percent of your productivity. Isn't that amazing? I mean, what would you do if you had 40 percent more time or even 20? I mean, I'd be happy to have 10 percent more time. And the truth of the matter is when when I really consciously stopped multitasking or trying to stop multitasking, I really did feel like I had more time in the day because I was blocking out all the distractions, getting things done, crossing them off the list, and then moving on to the next thing. It's amazing. I love that. Well, tell me a little bit about, I was going to jump to this later on in the conversation. However, I know you've been speaking to, you know, a lot of dentists that you work with, some of whom are our clients, and you spoke to, you know, a group of uh, other physicians we know that doctors and dentists, you know, you know, MDs and dentists, they see different patients all day long. So they are shifting the patients that they see. Tell us a little bit about the mindset of multitasking when it comes to being a doctor. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a different world when you're treating patients and you're moving from one room to the next. And, you know, you have to be able to manage that time, especially with a jam-packed schedule. You've got multiple patients sitting in the chair all at the same time. And I think a, a few things. First and foremost, when you're with a patient, you have to be present. If you're not present, your patient knows it and your patient isn't going to feel like they're getting the attention or the respect that they deserve. And so I think that's part of it. Um, you know, blocking out distractions when you're with a patient means giving them your complete and undivided attention. And the best way to do that is by actually time blocking the other things that you have to do in other parts of your day. So let me give you a couple of examples. I call doctors all the time because I represent them. They are my clients and they never seem to have time to talk to me. And I totally get that. That's fine. They're busy. But what if instead you actually, as a doctor, blocked out a part of your day to deal with administrative tasks like talking to your fortune management coach or talking to your lawyer or talking to your accountant. If you actually block out a piece of your day that's dedicated for that, when I call your office and you're not available, they, your office manager can say to me, he's currently with a patient. However, he is open to speak to you between 3.30 and 4. Can I put something on the calendar? So I think just having the forethought to think about the other things that you need to do in your day other than treating patients and then blocking out time for that will free up the distractions so that when you're actually treating a patient, you can give them your undivided attention. And I think that falls, you know, that covers a lot of things, you know, not just speaking to your practice management coach or your attorney, your accountant, but all sorts of other things, you know, your marketing efforts, the time that you need to talk to your associates, the time that you need to work with your staff or catch up on research or emails or anything in your day that you may be doing, if you actually have designated time in your calendar where that's actually factored in, you'll make time for it and you'll feel freer during the day. Absolutely. And not only during the day, because sometimes we also want our doctors to be very clinical focused. If they do have an hour or 30 minutes, they could block out an, another type of activity, such as speaking with you or with one of their coaches. The other thing, though, is that many of our practitioners see patients four days a week. 
So on that fifth day, are they really time blocking that day to make it as productive as possible? And that's always my question. I agree. Yes. Marketing, uh, meeting with their associate and going over treatment plans. I mean, this is always, these are the things that they push off to the back burner and they say they don't have time for, yet they really do if they just, if they plan it out, like they plan out their patient days. Absolutely. And I think as practitioners, you get into a habit of only scheduling your patient appointments, but really there's a lot more scheduling that needs to be done. So even though you work a four-day week treating patients, you can actually schedule a seven-day week of things that you want to do. And that includes your personal time too. Okay. So go into that a little bit. How do you time block some of the things in your personal life? So I think time blocking is really important both in your professional life and in your personal life. And one of the things that I've really started doing this year as a priority is time blocking date nights with my husband because I have very, very active life. And I find that while I feel super successful about being productive at work, I'm not so successful at you know, giving my husband necessarily the attention that he deserves. So we now have this weekly date night every Friday and it's blocked out in my calendar and it makes it so much easier because I know that I need a babysitter every Friday. I know I need to figure out something for us to do or he does. Um, I know that if somebody asks me to do something on Friday, the answer is no, because it's already in my calendar. So just the simple act of putting it in my calendar as a reoccurring commitment on Friday evenings has been such a game changer. And now I look forward to it. I get so excited every week about date night. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. I think people let weeks and weeks go by and then they haven't made that time with that special person or their coworker or partner or whatever it might be. Yeah, or even just hobbies, you know, blocking out time to work out or go to a yoga class or do whatever it is that you enjoy doing. It's so important. Absolutely. Tell me what other, where else have you time blocked in your personal life? Um, So I time block Monday nights. I always uh, have a babysitter on Monday nights and that's when I do personal work for myself, whether it's catching up with friends or getting my nails done or staying late to catch up at work so that I feel relieved of stress, like whatever it is that I feel like I need to do, I block out Monday nights and I have childcare arranged for that. I also block out some time on the weekends that I, I exercise, but I'm pretty good at self-care now. I, I try to make that a priority. So I have it blocked out on my calendar on Mondays, Fridays, and uh, on the weekends. Good for you. That's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, yeah, I do time blocking with my husband as well. We go to a weekly coffee. Um, sometimes it's not always at weekly. However, we do do our best to, to do that. And that's when we can connect. And it makes the rest of our time with our kids so much nicer because we're not trying to yeah. talk about the calendar or finances while right. we're, you know, w- while we're with the kids or whomever. So getting back to in your business or in our clients' businesses, you know, they're time blocking things like your team meetings and maybe source meetings um, and patient meetings, but not things for themselves or, or for their business. Let's go back to one of the other lies called everything matters equally. I love the idea too of the Pareto principle or the 80, 20 rule, because not everything matters equally. Not everything is the same priority. Right. Absolutely. And again, this applies in your personal life and your professional life. So, I mean, obviously my job is a little bit different than a practicing dentist, but I do spend my days servicing dentists. And um, the way that I'm compensated here is that 
uh, 80% of my compensation comes from the time that I'm actually like servicing clients. So that's like billable hours, drafting contracts, things of that nature. And then the other 20% of my compensation comes from going out and originating new business, bringing on new clients. And so back when I first discovered this book, I decided I was going to do a deep dive into my calendar and kind of figure out why I wasn't feeling productive, why I wasn't feeling successful, why my productivity had kind of plateaued and therefore my compensation had kind of plateaued. And so I decided to get really intentional about my calendar and I did an audit. And what I found was that I actually spent my time doing the exact opposite things that I should be doing. So I was spending almost all of my time outside of the office, networking, meeting new people, doing speaking engagements, teaching, whatever. And that left very little time for me to be sitting at my desk drafting contracts and doing my most important work. So when I got really clear on that, I actually made a radical change and I started saying no to lots and lots of things. And I got rid of a lot of networking events in my calendar, which freed up um, time to serve my clients. And what I found was very, very quickly, because now I was doing the right thing instead of the wrong thing, um, my productivity skyrocketed. Over the course of 2018, which was the year after I read the book, my productivity increased by 40% because of this change. And of course, because I, I have billable hours, it's very easy to measure that. But yes, I was able to, um, just by figuring out what is the thing that has the biggest impact on my um, professional life and doing that rather than the other thing, I was able to increase by 40%. Right, great. I think too, doc- doctors need to remember, you know, that their, their schedule, at least in a dental office, the 80-20 rule is really rings true that 20% of their patients are going to bring in 80% of the production, the higher, um, of course, they need to see the rest of those 80% of the patients because those will be, that will be future production. It's also though about your prioritizing, you know, if getting more new patients is, is really the priority, then marketing needs to go up, be high on the list. And maybe we need to focus on asking for more referrals or increasing our social media presence, whatever that might be, whatever that one thing might be in each practice, it's going to be different. Yeah. And, and I think every industry is a little bit different, whether you're a lawyer or you're a dentist or a teacher, it, it doesn't matter. There's always going to be something that matters more than everything else. And so I think it's incredibly important, if not the most important thing, block out some time to think, block out some time for silence, like go for a walk, sit in your car a little extra longer, like whatever you have to do, but you need to dedicate some time in your week to consider what it is that you should be doing rather than just reacting because we all go about our lives and we're so busy and technology is constantly interrupting us and we're just being so reactive that we don't take the time to actually stop and think like, what should I actually be doing right now? What's the most important thing? What's going to have the biggest impact on my business? And so scheduling time to think about those things is unbelievably important. I do it every single morning. That's so great. Yes. And looking at your to-do list and realizing that the, the, some of those are just lists of things to do, but they're not what he calls a success list, right? And so Correct. those are the most important things. Um, and that is really, it's made a huge impact on my life as well. As far as my work life, I wear so many different hats in the organization <laughs> yes, fortune <laughs> that I do need to prioritize and really be thinking about for my clients. What's the one thing I'm focused on for my franchise, for my corporate training role, for all the different things that we're doing. So, uh, and I can get very caught up in checking things off my own to-do list. But that might not be what's going to make a big, big impact. Right. Absolutely. So 
just on that same note, so I have established a morning ritual and I started it as a result of reading this book and realizing that I needed to get really, really intentional about how I spend my time and taking care of myself and things like that. So I have a morning ritual. It's it, depending on how rushed I am in the morning, it's 60 to 90 minutes every single day. Um, and one of the things I do when I first wake up is I set my plan for the day. And so while I'm exercising, I'm also planning out my most important thing for the day. And every day before I leave the house, I write down in a notebook the number one thing that I have to accomplish for that day. And sometimes it's super easy and I can do it quickly. And sometimes it's really complicated and it'll take me the whole entire day. But I never identify more than one thing. It's always one thing. And I can't even tell you how much clarity that gives me just to figure out what it is. And maybe it's something as simple as like returning a patient's phone call or scheduling an appointment with your accountant or making a marketing plan or firing an employee that's been giving you a hard time or, you know, creating a treatment plan for a complex case, whatever it is, just taking the time to figure out this is the one thing I have to accomplish today. If nothing else happens today, this one thing will get crossed off my list. It does such amazing things for your mental state, not to mention your productivity. I love it. And then the other thing would be if there's something that's very important that you know you won't have time for today because you have patients all day long, time block that for Friday or whatever the day is that you don't see yeah. patients so that you know that you've given it a chunk of time to work on it. I, yeah, that can give you a huge peace of mind as well. It's awesome. Great. There's also a concept, Casey, in the book called the domino effect. Tell us a little yeah. bit about that. So the domino effect, in my mind, really ties in nicely with the lie of big is bad. And so there's this lie in the book that they talk about that, you know, setting goals that are too big is is something you shouldn't do. And, and they basically say, throw that out the window. Like, if you can dream it, please set that as your goal, as big as you possibly can. But once you've set that big goal, then the question becomes, how do you accomplish it? And so the domino effect is really this idea that if you start with something really, really, really small, something that you can accomplish right now, that will then lead you to the next step, which will then lead you to the next step, which will then lead you to the next step. And it becomes easy to accomplish a big goal if all you have to do is identify that first domino. And so they talk about in the book that it's a proven fact that a two-inch domino cannot go over a four-inch domino, cannot go over an eight-inch domino. And so this concept of that success builds on success and success is sequential, not simultaneous, is the idea that you can have the biggest dream imaginable. And if you can just make it really, really simple so that you've identified step number one, you're done. All you have to do is work on step number one because eventually step number one is going to lead you to step number two, which is going to lead you to step number three. I love, and I've heard you say this before, success is sequential. It's so great because, and what we've been teaching for years, and Tony Robbins always talks about this, never leave the site of a goal without your next step planned. So it's the same kind of thing. It takes baby yeah. steps, right? So you want to get in shape. It's not about working out eight days a week. It's maybe about getting a new pair of sneakers or downloading a new song off, you know, onto your device. So it's, right. it's those baby steps. And, and if you go back to the example that Gary Keller uses in his book about making Keller Williams a household name and, and writing that book and firing himself as CEO, he spent the time that was necessary to identify that first domino. 
it, you know, that was a lot of thought that went into firing himself and deciding to write that book. He, he got all of his great minds in a room together and figured out his lead domino. And so I think it's really important to, to point out the fact that you should take the time to figure out step number one, because once you figure out step number one, it's going to happen on autopilot. So make sure step number one is the right step number one. Exactly. And maybe not too big of a step because people then get discouraged. Yeah, absolutely. It should be something that you can accomplish, something that you're capable of doing that's going to lead you to the next thing. Wonderful. And I also think that the one thing concept is great for lots of doctors are trying to do too many maybe different types of different procedures and not getting good at or getting really, really good at any one of them. Um, They're trying to spread themselves too thin to be everything to everybody. That doesn't always work. It's just another form of multitasking. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. I love it. Well, all all of us women say that we can always multitask because we can like cook dinner and (laughs) and empty the dishwasher and do all these things at the same time. But really, when you're talking about focus. The real skill is just focusing on one thing at a time. Yeah. Love it. Well, this has been so helpful, Casey. Um, do you, what do you think our listeners could put into place like immediately if they wanted to take action from listening to this podcast? So the very first thing that I did after reading the book was to audit my calendar and to look at where the problems were. I had nothing personal scheduled in my calendar. I had only professional stuff scheduled in my calendar and it was the wrong professional stuff. So I think if there's a great first step, I would, I would recommend doing what I did and just go through your calendar figure out how you spend your time and then figure out how you should be spending your time. Rework your calendar, schedule the things you want to do and then fill in the other things around it. Schedule the time to go to the yoga class, schedule the time to go for a run, schedule the time to have date nights with your spouse or spend time with your children, schedule your vacations. And then let's talk about your professional things. You know, let's schedule time to work with the marketing team, schedule time to work with your advisors. Um, The patients are going to be there, and obviously there's designated times for that, but you can't let that be the only thing in your calendar. Um, And then the other thing that I did with respect to my calendar is I color-coded it so that it was really clear how, what, what percentage of my time I was focusing on business development versus servicing clients versus personal time. So that would be my recommendation. Awesome. That's, that's perfect. Do you have a favorite quote, Casey, that you, that you live by? Uh, I do. And it's actually not from the book. Um, so my, I think my mantra, my quote is, um, I will not break this promise to myself. And I stole this actually from Rachel Hollis, who wrote a great book called Girl, Wash Your Face. And she talks about how she was like trying to form a new habit. And she just said to herself, I will not break this promise to myself. It's totally personal. It has nothing to do with anybody else. Nobody cares. But when I'm in the process of trying to form a new habit to make my life better, I'm constantly saying that I will not break this promise to myself because at the end of the day, your commitment to yourself is the only thing that really matters. That's beautiful. I I so agree with that because you give yourself, we give other people our word and we follow up on that. However, sometimes we're disappointing ourselves even more, which creates this vicious cycle. So I love that. Well, to our listeners, please make a make a point to obviously read the book, um, listen to your coach around the book. If you need any more coaching, you can contact us around the one thing. And we're so excited to use this as our theme for our annual planning 2020. 
So Casey, thank you so much for joining me for a few minutes to talk about this book. I, I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Kim. Yeah. And thank you for all that you and your and your firm do for our clients. You're just such a valuable resource and we, we're so grateful for you. Thank you for listening to the Practice Mastery Podcast. For more information on Fortune Management and to find an event in your area, please visit fortunemgmt.com.